The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. And boy, oh boy, it's been a day on the news front, tech frontier. The carbon tax, the federal carbon tax being ruled not constitutional by the Alberta Court of Appeal. We have Harvey Weinstein. We have a, a dramatic day on the stock on the stock market today. So much to get through, and it's just Monday, and uh, you know what? We're going to get right to it. There's a lot of finger-pointing going on today following word that Tech Resources, the company behind the Frontier Project, is withdrawing, has withdrawn its application to build, uh, has withdrawn its application to build the $20 billion oil sands project in northern Alberta. This was Premier Kenny just moments ago. Let me be clear. There is absolutely no doubt that this decision was taken in large part because of regulatory uncertainty and endless delays created by the national government, as well as the general atmosphere of lawlessness that we have seen take hold parts of our country and much of our economic infrastructure in the past three weeks. This should have been a straightforward and automatic approval. After it went through... That was Premier Kenny just a short time ago. Now, just a little bit of background on this project. If it had been built, and to be honest with you, that was really always up in the air. It would have produced about 260,000 barrels of crude a day, but it would have emitted the equivalent of about 4.1 million tons of carbon dioxide a year, making it hard for Canada to meet its greenhouse gas reduction targets. The project would have created 7,000 jobs during construction, as many as 2,500 operating positions over the next 40 years. It doesn't end there. It would have also contributed about $70 billion to federal, provincial and municipal uh, governments through taxes and royalties. We've been hearing about, uh, you know, the reaction to this decision throughout the day. The federal government was expected to make a decision on the project later this week, but last night the company pulled the plug, citing the broader conversation around climate change in Canada as the main reason. Our first guest this afternoon has been following it all as publisher of Energy News, as the author of the new Alberta Advantage, Technology, Policy and the Future of Oil Sands. Markham Hislop, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so Premier Kenny blaming, quote, a militant minority for tech resources uh, for the decision. Uh, he's accusing the federal government of failing to defend the interests of Canadians as the timing of the decision isn't a coincidence. You say it is he that is wearing the black eye on this one. You want to explain? Well, here's the problem, Jalen. Um, the, there's 10 paragraphs in the letter that uh, tech CEO... Don Lindsay wrote to the Environment Minister, Jonathan Wilkinson. Seven of them deal with climate change. And he made it really clear in the fourth paragraph. Uh, do you mind if I read some no, of it? No, go ahead. Okay, here's what he said. Global capital markets are changing rapidly, and investors and customers are increasingly looking for jurisdictions to have a framework in place that reconciles resource development and climate change in order to produce the cleanest possible products. Mm -hmm. This does not exist yet here today. Mm -mm. And here's the problem. Uh, you'll remember, your listeners will remember, back in mid-January, when BlackRock, Inc., the world's largest asset manager, $7 trillion under management, their CEO, Larry Fink, released a letter to CEOs and investors. It was very 
It's become famous, maybe infamous, in that period of time. And he said, it is now the case that climate change and climate risk will begin to affect the reallocation of capital. So translated, what that means is, if you do not, if you're in a, a carbon-intense, high-emissions kind of industry like the oil sands, and if there are not plans in place to decarbonize, to lower those emissions to acceptable levels, you are not going to get capital. It's plain and simple. Mark, oh, Mark what sorry, ha- yeah, I was going to say, what happened between I, I, that, that uh, tech had put uh, forward a, an emissions plan? It went back and forth, uh, you know, uh, between th- them and the government for quite some time. What happened there? Well, the uh, as you said, I mean, they were going to. It was going to produce about four million uh, tons of CO2 equivalent a year. And the problem here is that the, uh, we have absolute emissions going up in Alberta. Depending on who you talk to, it's either Premier Kenny says it's in the high six, you know, around 68, 69 megatons a year. Others put it in the high 70s or maybe even well into the 80s. And that is coming into direct conflict with the with National Climate Plan objectives. I wrote a column after the federal election that said that uh, there is a clash coming between Alberta and Canada over the issue of climate policies because all roads to emission reductions in Canada run through Alberta. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. Here we are uh, on a federal level. Uh, Andrew Scheer saying it's Justin Trudeau's fault, saying his weakness and uh, the political unrest uh, killed tech. What do you say to that? Well, you know what? It's uh, no uh, Premier Kenny is the Conservative Premier of Alberta, and, and uh, Andrew Scheer is the. Mm leader of, of the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, he's, not going to, he's not going to take, he, he's not going to support Justin Trudeau, okay? But, and we really don't know uh, exactly what uh, combination of factors led Lindsay and the, and the board at Tech to, uh, to withdraw the application. Now, I talked to, I interviewed uh, economist Richard Masson from the University of Calgary today about this, and we both agreed that there is a laundry list of issues, and, and so uh, climate policy is clearly one of them. Uh, indigenous relations. I mean, this is the, what happens if uh, tech needs a, another pipeline uh, to the West Coast, and now we have issues around Aboriginal title mm-hmm. in B.C. and Indigenous law, which we see with the West uh, Wetton. Uh, problem and and then we have environmental groups which we see with the the rail blockade so there are a but of that list uh, now uh, uh, Richard and I disagreed on what should be at the top of the list but I think the letter makes very clearly that the the key issue here is uh, is uh, climate policy and at the end of the day uh, and I should as just as background uh, Jalen uh, much of the uh, Alberta oil and gas conventional sector is in a capital crisis. Mm-hmm. The junior sector is literally on the verge of collapse. Mm-hmm. They can't get money, uh, they can't get equity, they can't get financing, and this is part of the reason why 
there's an inadequate climate policy framework in Alberta. So, I, I mean, it, and it's it's fascinating to watch when you were, I, I don't know if you watched all of Jason Kenney, Premier Kenney's uh, news conference that uh, that just wrapped up. It, it is interesting. He's His tone on climate change seems to be changing, although he is still very firm on the carbon tax uh, being scrapped completely. There has been a, a softening in his tone in, in the past couple of months, but where does that lead um, as we move forward if we want to and and there's a number of projects that have just been sitting on the books for a long time if we want one of those projects to to get moving to to get working to have people on the job site to, to to be employable what needs to be done how do we bridge this gap between uh what's coming out of alberta and what's coming out of eastern canada well, I don't know what uh, what's coming out of e- Eastern Canada, except unless you're talking about Ottawa and... Uh, well, I guess Ottawa and its stand on climate change. Oh, yeah, gotcha. So uh, my uh, the economist I interviewed during the, the campaign said that from 2015 to 2019, the Trudeau government had about 75% of the policies and regulations it needed to meet its, its goals in 20, 2050. But what was added during the campaign uh, is enough to bring it up to the point where we we should hit uh, uh, net zero emissions by, by 2050. So now we have a robust set of, of climate policies and energy policies in Ottawa. The problem, of course, is, is that Jason Kenney ran against climate, change, climate policy during the election. He was very critical of, of carbon pricing and, and uh, all the rest of it uh, before the election uh, uh, when he was oppos- opposition leader. And since he got in, he has basically done the absolute bare minimum to keep the federal government off his back and uh, to follow through on his, uh, on his election commitments. We, Alberta, at this point in the game, has a deficient and inadequate suite of climate policy. Mm-hmm. And, what, and, and this here, the irony here, Jalen, is that if I'm right, and uh, I think we'll see that going forward, Jason Kenney... Okay, promised to revive the oil and gas sector. Mm-hmm. And the very policies that he put in place to, to help them will turn out to harm them because it will restrict access to capital during a very difficult time for the industry. Can this industry be revived at this point? I mean, you know, you look at um, some of the commentary that's coming out. You talk about, you know, trying to prove that Alberta is open for business. We're looking at regulations. We're looking at uh, emission caps. All of these things that have added up, um, you know, there's, there, it feels like there's a freeze on right now and it's going to get even colder. I have good news and I have bad news. Okay. Uh, the good news, <laughs> the, good, the good news first. Um, the oil sands companies uh, produce 80% of the oil in Alberta, and the big five, the Suncor and CNRLs and so on, produce 67% of the oil. They are fine. They are making money hand over fist. They're making record profits. They're throwing off free cash flow. They're buying back shares. And, and did you know that last year uh, Suncor distributed back to its shareholders? 45% of all the revenue it generated. Wow. It's an amazing. So the big, the big companies, the seniors as they're called, they are in terrific shape. They're well positioned. They've been planning for climate change and decarbonization for at least 10 or 12 years. Where the pain comes is in, the, in some of and many of the producers in, who are producing the conventional oil, that other 20% uh, of the, and, and those companies that are weighted towards gas, because gas prices have been low for, mm-hmm. for years and years now. 
that's the sector that's really in crisis, and that's and that's what we hear about. But the industry, if by the industry we mean those who are producing most of the oil and gas in Alberta, those are the big guys, and they're in good shape. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, oh, Markham. I mean, there's just there's just so much here when you, when you look at this. And I know that you you and anyone wants to read this. His latest uh, article was uh, was a fascinating read, and you can find it uh, on his on his Twitter page or on his Facebook page on his first on his Facebook page as well. Um, he, where do we see this? industry moving forward under Jason Kenney over the next number of years. Um, he, you, you talk about these policies about him, you know, trying to get it, uh, you know, back to work. Um, where do you think, what do you think is going to happen? Here's my prediction and we'll, we'll see if I'm proved right. Uh, the oil sands companies don't absolutely need climate policy. They are committed to decarbonizing because they see it as the only way to be competitive in a low-carbon future. And they are determined to be the best barrel in the world when it comes to heavy crude oil, and they want to outcompete Mexico and Brazil and Colombia and Venezuela and so on. So they, the oil sands companies, and they're so big, they have, they have pipeline capacity, they have the resources to, to book pipeline capacity, so that's not, they have refineries in the United States, so they can sell to themselves when prices are low. So the oil sands companies are going to grow steadily. They are in terrific shape, well-managed and far-seeing CEOs. The big question is, what is going to happen if the, if the juniors and some of the intermediates okay. implode? And I think that, and there's, what is there that Jason Kenney can do? Whether the Alberta government doesn't control the price of oil or, or the price of, of uh, gas. But here's one thing to keep in mind on. I warned about this when, when it happened, and that's the transfer of teachers' pensions over to AIMCO. <laughs> I still worry that the government will direct AIMCO to take some of those, those pension funds and invest them in, in financially troubled small and maybe some intermediate firms to prop them up, hoping to get them through to when prices recover and uh, without them failing. So I, there's, there, it's going to be a tense couple of years, I think, for that part of the industry. Markham, with the blockades and everything that we've been watching over the past uh, couple of uh, weeks, past uh, month or, or so, what kind of impact do you think that that could have on TMX expansion, whether or not um, uh, the, the LNG project w- will actually go ahead? We've, we're going back to doing more negotiations there. What's your sense on that? Well, it's very interesting. I, uh, as you know, Dylan, my, my journalism brand is interviewing experts. I want to talk to the economists and lawyers and scholars and, you know, those kind of people. So I interviewed a number of, of legal scholars and, and lawyers who are well-versed in Aboriginal law. And the point that they made over and over again is that the ter- almost all of B.C. is unceded territory. Mm. Canada never entered into treaties with the indigenous communities of, of British Columbia. And thanks to the Delgama, uh, uh decision in 1997, which formally recognized Aboriginal title and indigenous law, uh, the, those indigenous communities are in an increasingly strong position. So Robert Jaynes, uh, who is a, one of the lawyers, said, look, 
in Section 35 of the Constitution. It says out, sets out that we should have regular constitutional conferences to resolve the issues that still are remained out of the Aboriginal, the need to consult an Aboriginal title. And he said, why don't we do, why don't we do that? Why don't we, we, we get these conferences together, let's start talking, get the federal government involved, and let's resolve these issues so that we're not, every time a project comes up, whether it's a tech mine or it's a, a pipeline, we're, we're relitigating and, re, and renegotiating. We need to put this issue to bed so that we can get on with developing our resource economy, oil and gas, mining, forestry, all of that, because right now we do not have the whip hand when it comes to the First Nations of British Columbia. Before I let you go, as I started off uh, you know, our interview today saying there's a, a lot of finger-pointing going on. People are, are pointing at uh, Trudeau. People are try- pointing at Kenny. P- people are pointing everywhere. Who do you believe... Um, should get the, the 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 majority of the finger waggle this afternoon. Uh, Jason Kenney and, and his government, and it, and I I base that argument, Jaylen, on what was said by Don Lindsay in his letter to to the government. He said it. There has uh, he said capital markets are looking for climate policy, uh, and uh, and it just doesn't exist here. And we know uh, it, we've seen it over and over again. Remember back in 2018 when HSBC said they weren't going to finance uh, uh, high in- uh, you know, pipelines, mm-hmm. pipelines, that kind of stuff? And Jason Kenney's response was, well, we're going to boycott HSBC. <laughs> Last year it was the Zurich Group, the, big, the world's largest reinsurance company. Jason Kenney pushed back against that. We, he and his government and Alberta in general need to align themselves with climate change, align themselves with the, with the energy transition, and admit that we need to reduce emissions, and the global investment community is demanding it. We cannot avoid. We need investment. We need capital, and we have to give them what they want, and that is climate policy. All right, Markham, uh, always great to talk to you. Thank you for joining me this afternoon.